Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help this morning. We believe that your word, it doesn't return void. And so as we look at your word, would you please plant it deep in our hearts? And would you allow it to spring forth fruit for us to bear so that we may give it back to you? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember last week, we looked at what it means to put off our old self. And what I mean by putting off the old self is that we looked at the old ways that we lived as non-Christians and how we are to put it off. Take it off. No longer live in our old lives. And we saw that we are to put on now Christ. We are to put on the new self that is Christ. Because we've been unified to Christ through His sacrifice, now we walk like disciples of Christ. And we looked at two main reasons last week. We looked at why we do it and how we do it. Why do we put off the old self? Well, we put off the old self because Christ has rescued us from our miserable state. Being slaves to sin, Christ came and redeemed us. He purchased us back. He set us free from sin. And now, how do we walk? How do we put the new self on? Well, We put the new self on by being truth-tellers. By dealing with our anger quickly. By no longer stealing, but actively contributing to the welfare of society, in particular those who you go to church with. We aim to no longer use words that cause people to feel condemnation, but instead we use our words to we, we use them to build each other up or encourage or, or to what encourage means, I like this phrase a little bit better, is to impart courage to a person. We use our church to impart courage to others now. We put on the new self finally by no longer holding the grudge or being unkind or or harboring malice and bitterness, but instead we have kindness 
and forgiveness. We walk in, in this new self with the world and especially with those who are at this church. What Paul is about to say to us today is so, so, so. You see how I, I tried to emphatically? Three so's. Important to understand as we walk in the new life. Recently, I was just reflecting and thinking about the tragedy of how people tend to swing back and forth between grace. They never land on grace, but instead, like a swing that's being pushed, they go back and forth. And normally they start at one of two places, either lawlessness or legalism. And the temptation is to, if we start at lawlessness, is to swing and be pushed right past grace into legalism. Our temptation this morning as we look at this passage to see exactly what our motivation is as we walk in the new life is to possibly do it with wrong motives. Wrong desires. If we aren't careful this morning, we might swing right past grace into legalism. We might be tempted to walk away with a wrong understanding of what motivates us to walk in the new life. We might walk away with something like this. Okay, okay, if I tell the truth, if I am not angry, if I no longer steal, if I encourage people with kind words, and, and if I just forgive, then God's going to be pleased with me and He's going to be so proud of me. That's the wrong motivation we should walk away with this morning. I wonder if you, like me, have ever asked yourself, okay, the Bible speaks a lot about loving people. It talks a lot about loving God. It talks a lot about loving people. And so I know that I'm called to love. I just don't know where to start. I've got no handlebars This is why I love the pa uh, Paul, because in his very pastoral heart, he's going to show us what our obedience flows out of. He's going to show us the motivation of why we walk in the new life. What we're going to see here is that we walk in the new life because it is a direct result of imitating God's love. Jesus gives us the perfect example of how to walk in God's love. So we walk in God's love because we are trying to imitate God's love. And we have Jesus as our example of how to walk in love. 
I can't emphasize this enough for us this morning. What we are about to look at is the most important virtue that a Christian possesses when they become born again. And as Paul addresses this virtue, he he tells us, therefore, be imitators of God. So, So let's just pause there for a moment. Therefore, when we see a therefore, we ask, what is it therefore? Thank you, Pastor Tim Harwell of Abilene, Texas, my youth pastor. I never knew what that understood when he said it until I was in college and somebody actually had to spell it out for me. I was always so confused by that. Now I know, though. So what is Paul saying right here? Paul is using the therefore to finish up his thought, specifically verse 32. More broadly, verses 25 through 32. So we see the therefore, and what Paul is doing is he is finishing his thought for us. We could read this something like this, in light of this, or because of what I just said. So because of what I just said, be imitators of God. Wow. (laughs) Be imitators of God. Do you know that in all of Scripture, you will not find a single person calling us this explicitly to be like God. There's, there's implications. There's implying. Forgive just as your fathers forgive. But nowhere in all of Scripture do we see somebody so specifically saying, imitate God. In the 90s, there was this Gatorade commercial. And in this Gatorade commercial, there was a song in the background, and the song went something like this. Maybe you'll catch on to this. Maybe you remember this song. Maybe not. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove. Like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Like Mike. Oh, if I could be like Mike. At that time, Michael Jordan was the world's greatest basketball player and millions of people wanted to be like Mike. Millions wanted to imitate Mike. You see, when I read, be imitators of God, I don't know about you, but I see a task that I cannot fulfill. It would be far easier in this lifetime for me to grow to be 6'6 and be like Mike than to imitate God. Now, I haven't lived as long as some of you, but I've lived long enough to know that I... (laughs) I'm a wreck. And I am so much weaker than I want to admit. 
That's why it would be far easier to be like Mike. Mike isn't perfect. And God is perfect. Let's just think about three of the big O's in theology. God's omniscient, His omnipresence, and His omnipotence. Let's just think about those three things. If that's what Paul is calling me to imitate, then I fall way short. God's omnipotence is that He's all-powerful. I am not. I go to the weight room Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I am reminded again of how I am continuing to get older and weaker, and there are younger people there that are getting stronger. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He, he remembers all things and knows all things. There is at least once or twice throughout the week as I am leaving the church here to go home that I get halfway down Gillette Street and I ask myself, Max, did you lock the door? I sure hope so because I'm not going back. You see, this is where we may swing past the pendulum or past grace into legalism. Because in our own efforts, we can't imitate God perfectly. So what is Paul asking us to imitate? He tells us first to imitate God as beloved children. What Paul is he's teaching us here is the posture of how we imitate God. Like children imitate their parents. It's, it's harder to tap into that child likeness when you get older, isn't it? It's harder to remember what it was once like to be a child and to have a child as you get older, especially if you are not around children very often, isn't it? Children become, let's just call it for what it is, as you age, they become a little bit louder, a little bit more rambunctious, and you ask yourself, what in the world? I don't remember my kids being like this. They probably were. God is, or Paul is asking us to be imitators of God as Beloved children. We are to imitate God as beloved children. So this past week, I switched out our sink faucet. It was leaking from every corner. And so I just was like, forget it, we'll just get a new faucet. And when I came home to do this job, Haddon met me at the door and asked me right away, are you ready to work on the plumbing, Dad? When I went to go get tools, he went to go get his tools. I come back with a wrench, a flashlight, and some plumbing tape, and he comes back with a hat and, and Ezekiel's diaper cream. When I 
got on the floor and crawled under the sink, or at least, I mean, I guess, put my head in the sink, he actually crawled underneath the sink. When I was thinking out loud, he started to think out loud too. Is this your posture? This should be our posture as we imitate God. Childlike. Are you eager to imitate God as a child imitates their parents? Are you eager to be His shadow like a child that just follows their parents around everywhere? Paul isn't asking you to do this perfectly. He's asking you to imitate God as a beloved child. Of course I'm not expecting Haddon to come back with the right tools to fix a sink. He doesn't know how to do that. Instead, what he's doing is he's following me and he's watching how I do it. Do you watch how God moves? how God walks. Because we're all imitating someone or something. And if you're not imitating God, then you're imitating an influencer online. The latest host on Fox News some sort of athlete, a politician, an artist. I just, guys, when we mimic those who are not God, what we're doing is we're being called by a master as if we were a slave. And, God, and Paul right here is telling us this is not God's way of calling us into discipleship, of imitating God. Paul is telling us that we're not called to mimic God as if he's our master and we are a slave, but a child, a loved child, a dearly loved child who is imitating their parents. So if you're imitating someone or something else, why not just try imitating God for a week and see just what happens? Because I, I, I will tell you, you will experience a, a radical transformation. And so Paul calls us to imitate God like a child. And second, Paul tells us exactly what about God we are to imitate. So we aren't to imitate God's omniscience, his all-knowing ability, his all-powerful ability, his all-present ability. That's not what Paul calls us to imitate as beloved children. He calls us and says, and walk in love. So we imitate God as His children by walking in love. We see right here 
the chief change in a person's life when they truly trust in Christ. That is, they walk in love. Their actions are characterized by love. They imitate God's love because Scripture so clearly tells us that God's very being is love. Everything, everything that God does, He does it with love flowing out of Him. That includes His judgment and wrath against our sin. Scripture tells us that when a person is born again, what happens, because God is love, when a person is born again, then a person has the love of God poured into their heart. So, let's think about it like this. Last week, as we saw how to walk in the new life, the question that we must ask ourselves is this. Is my motivation for walking in the new life love? Or is it something else? Because if love is not our motivation, then I'll just very clearly tell you this. What our motivation is, is our own self-glory. So do you tell the truth because it's just the morally right thing to do? And, you know, Scripture says to tell the truth. Or do you tell the truth because out of the overflowing love for your neighbor, you can't help but tell the truth, even if it's the hard thing to do? You see them as an image bearer of God, and you think to yourself, there's nothing else that I can do besides tell the truth, because I love this person? Do you deal with your anger quickly because it just makes you feel anxious and uncomfortable and you you just want to get it done and over with? Or do you deal with your anger quickly out of your love for that person? Do you no longer steal, but... Work hard because you just want to keep yourself busy and out of trouble? Or is your motivation to work hard because you don't want another person? Because you don't want that person to experience what you experience. So your love for them, you want to help them in any way you can. You want to provide for them in the way that you can. Do you speak kindly to to people because you just want people to look at you as the nice person, the encouraging person, the flatterer? Or because you love them so much that you want to impart courage into them so that way they know that they they can get after it? Do you forgive so that you can be seen as the less angry person, the more tolerable person? Or do you forgive because the love in your heart compels you to forgive? 
love. Love needs to be our motivation to walk in the new life that we have been given by God. But here's the tricky part of this, is that we ask ourselves then, okay, how to love? So we imitate God, but what does that love then look like? And then where we are tempted to do is we are to look out at the world's way of love and assume that's God's way to love. If you are in Christ, then we love as God's beloved children. You imitate God's love as His beloved children to a loveless world. So is your motivation to love God-centered? Is it to imitate God or is it for your own self-interest? This is what we're presented with this morning. So how do we love? Paul tells us, he tells us Jesus is the reason why we love this way. Paul, Paul explains to us how we walk in love. Walk in love as Christ loved us. And yet how quickly do our hearts forget this? How quickly do we just kind of move past the idea that we Mimic Jesus' love. We imitate Jesus' love. How quickly do we forget a simple children's song like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right here, the Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us to imitate Jesus' love. You may be with us this morning very weak and frail, beaten up by this last week, your kids exhausted you. Your boss chewed you out. Your marriage is on the brink of disaster. Your kids have left the faith that you taught them when they were little. You messed up again and you just see yourself as a failure. Welcome to the party. <laughs> you are at a place where we are all weaker than we like to think, and there is hope for our future. And if this is you this morning, you can get in on it. You can get in on it because Christ loved us. Christ really loved us. This isn't a mythical fairy tale. This actually happened and He displays this love for us. We see how Christ loved us because He gave Himself up for us. 
What Paul is telling us here is that God came in the flesh. Christ came down. This is why we celebrate Christmas time. He wrapped Himself in flesh. He gave up His heavenly riches and comforts to dwell with us, a sinful people who rebelled against Him, who indulged in their own way of love instead of trusting in God's love. This is what Philippians 2 is trying to illustrate to us. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What we are seeing through Christ's action of walking in love is that love is giving yourself to another. Love is giving yourself to another. And so then how do we love in an age where it's all about self-care and self-love? The type of love that Jesus demonstrates for us is a love that is totally strange to a world that is about self-care and self-love. And, and, and let me be frank here, this isn't new. This stems back to Adam and Eve who doubted the love of God, who doubted His provision. In their pride, they thought, I can do it better than God. So how do we give Love. We give love by not being in isolation. You cannot give yourself. You cannot give your love if you are isolating yourself. This is what Christ displays to a weary, weak, and broken world is that He actually moves towards those who are sinners, moves towards those who are His enemy, and He gives His love to His people. If, if this is you this morning, where you have trusted in Christ, this is the type of love that you have received from Christ, a love that was given to you. And so now you give up your own self-interests and, and now count the interests of others more highly than your own. How do you give your love to another? By caring for them. That may look like talking with and being very interested in that person that just has a different personality from you and might just rub you the wrong way for no other reason than just your personality is different. You may give love to another by financially giving to them. You may love and give your love to another by wiping a boogery nose. You may give your love to another by asking how they are doing and how you can pray for them. Church, how are we 
coming together and giving our love to one another. Here's a very practical way. Take somebody out to lunch and ask them about their story. Give yourself to another. It might be inconvenient, but that's the point about a love that is giving. Not only does Christ show us his love by giving himself up for us, but he shows us just the amount of length that he is willing to go to show how much he gives up. Paul tells us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ was willing to show us how much he loved us by perfectly walking the walk. In every step of the way, being sinless and yet still being murdered and sacrificed for us. And the Father is pleased with it. He's pleased with it because we we see when when there's this, this word right here, fragrant offering, in the Old Testament when we read a phrase like this, it means that the sacrifice, it was pleasing to God. So what Paul is saying right here is Christ's love of giving himself up for us was not just an act of humility, but it actually pleased God. It was an aroma. It hit the nostrils of the Father and he breathed it in and he said, this is what I was looking for. There's nothing better than smelling something delicious or pleasing. We each have that smell, don't we? I, I went back and forth on whether to say this or not. If I get a new pair of shoes, that sucker's in my nose for about five minutes before I put it on. There is no better smell than new shoe. We each have that smell that causes us to relax and drift off. The cares of the world go behind us. Christ displays his love to a sinful world by giving himself up for us to the point of being sacrificed on a cross so that the Father would smell the pleasing aroma of Christ's sacrifice, and for those who then trust in him will receive that pleasing aroma. What Christ does is he takes that perfume of spiritually dead, rotten carcass off of you and places the fragrant offering of his acceptability with God on you. If you're not a Christian and you're with us this morning, or you are a Christian and you're tempted to be swayed to look out at this world and get your definition of love from the world, can I just ask, Why does it seem like specifically our country, as it is focusing on love, why does it seem 
to becoming so much more unloving. It's because the world's definition and just our own sinful definition of love is a selfish love. It's a love that is based off of our own terms. You see, selfish love asks this question. How can you best love me? And if we adopt that type of idea of love, how can you best love me, then it's a selfish love. Christ's love and biblical love asks this question. How can I best love you? This passage should cause us to live in such a way that our love is a forgiving love. This is what we see here. God did not need to forgive us of our sins, and yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us so that we could receive forgiveness from our sins. So when you are wronged and you just, you just want to go to that person and give it to them, Do you ever stop to think about the forgiveness that God has given to you? That because He loves you, He forgives you. Each day we sin, and He still forgives us. He didn't have to forgive us. He didn't have to keep forgiving us. But He does because of His steadfast love. So next time you're tempted to be angry or bitter or unkind to a person that has wronged you, think about what your heart is saying about the gospel in that moment. Think about what your heart is believing about the gospel in that moment. Jesus, he gives us the perfect example of how we walk in love. So church, walk in love and just don't look back. Resist the temptation to walk in love for your own self-glory. Because if you do, you are putting yourself on the pedestal. How about this? If, if right now you are going to love in your own power, then just throw everything I said in the trash. Tear it up. Because your striving to love will be done in vain. Church, love how Christ Loved. Walk in the love that Christ displays. Because when we walk in the love of Christ, we actually get to experience Christ's love. We should be motivated to walk in the new life based not on our own love, but Christ's love. So tell the truth. Deal with your anger quickly. Give. Use building up words that encourage the church. Forgive out of your love. One last thought before we sing our last song. 
the next time someone wrongs you, right away, remind yourself of Christ. Far too often, Christians, we just don't do this. We don't remind ourselves of the love that God has shown us. We don't love in the way that God has loved us. And I believe it's because we just don't think about it. So think about it the next time you're wronged. Think about all of the ways that God has so graciously loved you and that his steadfast love with you has endured and will continue to endure. Can we do that? So the next time your spouse wrongs you and it's been boiling in your stomach all day and you're ready to go home and just let them have it. Before doing that, meditate on the love of God. Look to see how Jesus loved those. When your kids are just acting a fool. Remember how Jesus loved the kids. When your boss is accusing you or you're taking the fall for something that is not your fault, reflect and remind yourself of the love of Christ. When your family or your in-laws they're letting you have it. And it just seems like there's nothing that you can really do. Remember the love of Christ. And remember just how much he loved you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gracious love towards us. And we ask that in your kindness, you would lead us to repentance and that you would help us to love one another just as Christ has loved us. We thank you for showing us in your word what this weighty task of being an imitator of God looks like. Amen.